Welcome to The Real Estate Show with your real estate and mortgaging team, Terry Kalakos and Marav Marciano on CJAD 800. And a happy, happy Sunday afternoon, everyone. You're listening to The Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Terry Kalakos, chartered real estate and mortgage broker, as well as president of Northeast Real Estate and Mortgage Agency, as well as Coldwell Banker Commercial Alliance. And today we're going to be talking about the dangers. And yes, there are dangers out there of waiting for the market to shift before getting your mortgage. And I know what you're thinking. What are you talking about? Well, we're going to find out. Joining me, we have my co-host, Marav Marciano, chartered real estate broker and uh, vice president, super extraordinaire of Northeast and CBC Alliance. What's going on, Marav? Well, I'm enjoying this uh, plus temperature outside, so I hope it's going to last. I think uh, it's a little tease, but it's okay. I'm enjoying it. Don't you find it funny that every Thursday and Friday, the temperature drops and it gets really <laughs> nasty outside. But today it's nice. Today it's nice. And it yeah. seems like every week you ask me how I'm doing and every week my answer is the weather's nice. Because on Sundays it yeah. usually gets better. So it seems like my mood goes with my with the weather. So uh... Yeah, she wasn't very pleasant a couple of days ago, people. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to say. Me? <laughs> I have to live with her, okay? Uh, <laughs> guys, if you want, I mean, please feel free to call in with your questions. To 514-790-0800, or you could text in to 514-800. I don't know what I was going to say there. 800? 800. Yeah, so 514-800, you could text in. And uh, don't forget to include your name in the text so we can give you proper kudos. You can also visit us online at facebook.com slash northeast nordest and facebook.com slash CBC Alliance Quebec. And uh, you know what they have to do. If they're on I, I our YouTube know. channel right now, I wouldn't know. They gotta smash that subscribe button, smash that like button. They gotta just keep pressing on those buttons. And well, actually, you press the subscribe button once. Don't keep pressing it because then you're gonna be subscribing and then unsubscribing, and you know. So you know, it uh, it it's it's important. It helps us get some traction. You know, nobody really understands how the YouTube algorithm works. So the more people that like and the more people that subscribe to the channel. Uh, the more uh, fun we can have. And plus, you know, there's a lot of comments that go on there, which helps us actually curate content for you guys to be able to, you know, get educated with the stuff that you need to know about. So um, please uh, get on there and use on the go.ca and subscribe away. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about, about mortgages, ab about mortgages yeah. right? And what you know what this is all about here because it's a hot topic out there you think why everybody i need to wait i need to see the interest rates this the interest rates that so definitely i think this is a show that a lot of people have been waiting for everybody's wondering what's the right thing to do and you just use the big word the dangers of waiting so I think everybody's quite curious what you're about to say. All right. So let's put things in perspective here, mm -hmm. okay? Because I, I think that this is a good way for us to understand. And, you know, there's not much of a market update today. But I think that uh, what we're about to talk about is kind of along the lines of a market update. Because we need to understand what's going on, 
Okay. First and foremost, let's take a look at what's interest rates are at right now. Variables through the roof. The Bank of Canada was on this relentless, you know, pursuit of increases to curb inflation. Okay, last year. So 2022. This year we saw them at the beginning of the year they raised it by 0.25. That caused interest rates on the variable side to just go through the roof. So anyone that had a variable rate mortgage, they had a HELOC, anything like that, they saw that prime rate shoot up, you know, to over 6%. And now they are freaking out because there was there's a big difference between the two. Of course, between what they were paying a couple of years ago versus now. Right, exactly. But let's look at it properly here. Okay, so we were in the car, you were looking at a graph, right? And, you know, and it was showing where fixed rates were and where they were and where they are right now. Mm -hmm. So let's take out of the equation the last couple of years where you were able to get a five-year fixed rate for, you know, I, I think the lowest that I did was like sub 1.5%. That is not reality. Okay, so let's, let's just, that's the government stimulating the economy. That is not reality. What is the reality of things? The reality is, is that if we even go back, let's say to 2008, in 2000 and tail end of 2007, uh, beginning of 2008, when you were getting a five-year fixed rate, you were walking into your bank, you were getting an interest rate of six and a half percent. You would come to us, we would give you a interest rate of 5.99%. Yeah. And this is what interest rates were. And this is what they stayed at until there was that correction that happened. Well, I shouldn't call it a correction, that crash that happened in the States, which caused interest rates to come down. But what did they come down to? The fours, right? Yeah, threes, fours. Exactly. Yeah. So this is, I, I mean, I remember doing my shows and I was saying, people, interest rates are at 499. This is crazy. This is the lowest they've ever been. Interest rates are, you know, three and a half percent. But yet it's not, um, you know, today when interest rates are at that level, people see them as high because of what we've been used to. I think we get used to things pretty quickly as human beings. So, you know, you're used to seeing a two in front of your interest rate. You know, it takes six months of saying, yay, two is the norm. Suddenly, uh oh, two is not the norm. So. I think it's just the human nature. We get used to things very quickly. Of course. And I think that it's important for us to understand that where, and by the way, I see a ton of texts coming in and we do have a caller, which I'm going to get to after traffic. Um, I think that it's important that we understand where we are, where we were, and to, to basically try and forget over the last couple of years. So if you were to come to me right now and say, Terry, I want to buy a property. I want to buy a you know, uh, a single family home, a duplex, whatever, and I'm going to live in it and I'm, you know, putting 5%, 10%. So you have an insured mortgage. Insured mortgages today, the misconception is that you're going to be paying 8% interest. That's what I was going to ask you. Or what seven. do people think they're going to pay? So they think yeah. they're going to be paying over six. I have news for you. Those interest rates are actually 459 to about 479. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, is reasonable. Which is very reasonable. Yeah, yeah. For, right? for a mortgage, absolutely. Was it? Is it higher than the last couple of years? Absolutely. But, but I, I'm trying to understand something. When credit cards send you a statement and it says clearly at the bottom you're paying 22% interest, nobody seems to panic about that. 
but yet interest rates go from three to four, four to five, and there's huge panic in the market. Absolutely. I Why? It's perception. It's perception. People think that a mortgage, it's their right to have it because they've been spoiled over the last number of years, that it's their right to have it at a certain rate. But that's not the reality of I things. I think you used the right word. We, we've been spoiled in the last 10 plus years with very low rates. And if even in the last 10 years, by the way, I have clients who, you know, in 2020, they came up for renewal and I was looking at those rates. So where they were, where I got them, they were pretty, uh, pretty up there. They were in the fours, some mm -hmm. of them. But yet we forget about these things. Yeah. We forget. So I had a client this week that said to me, oh, my God, you got me a rate of 459. How did you do that? I'm like, that's the rate. Oh, he thought it was going to be yeah, more. Yeah, I, I thought it was going to be 7. Everyone's saying that it's going to be 7%. Anyways, when we come back, we're going to be looking at whether it's a good idea to refinance your property for debt consolidation purposes. Thanks for listening. You're listening to The Real Estate Show. And today we're talking about waiting for the market to shift before taking action. You could call into the show with your questions at 514-790-0800 or you could text into the show at 514-800. And we have Mike on the line. who has a question about 15-minute cities. Hey, Mike. Harry, good afternoon. Good Sunday to you. Good Sunday, man. Harry, I have a... Uh little home in Dorval uh, used for a rental property. Okay. Uh, you know, Dorval maybe is going through a major zoning change and right. where they want to... I'm in the area where it's been rezoned for, I guess, condoms. Okay. And I went, I went to all the town hall meetings and they're basically saying is in the future, they don't have a timeline where my house could be, I guess, expropriated for condoms. And they kept pushing this idea about a 15-minute city. That's the goal for Norval. Mm -hmm. My first question to you is, can they expropriate my house that I use for rental to make their reality come true? Yes or no, Terry? Uh, can a city expropriate your, uh, your property? The simple answer is going to be yes. Will they expropriate your property? The answer is going to probably be no. And I'll explain to you why. For them to get rid of one housing, you know, you know, whatever, one housing type of property to set up a new housing property to put in condos or, or whatnot, I don't see that happening. Usually in an expropriation situation, what they're doing is they need to expropriate to do something else. Like I've seen them expropriate. Look, Lac Megantic right now is a perfect example. You know, the train line was running through the city. And, you know, the city, you know, over the last number of years had been basically saying to the people in the area uh, or the government, I think it was the government of Canada, was saying to the people, look, you know, we're going to buy your land so that we can move the rail line so it's not running like this through the through the city. Um, and there was a lot of people that agreed and they decided that they were going to sell their properties, their, their land. Uh, but that there, there was other people that basically said, no, we don't want to sell our land. So, you know, they're, they're, they're sticking to their guns, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, in a case like that, what ended up happening is the government came in and said, no, we have to do this. So the land is being expropriated, which obviously they need to compensate the people that they're expropriating the land, either by giving them new land 
or by actually, uh, and a lot of times they will do that, they'll give crown land that uh, is in a different area, or what they'll do is they'll give crown land plus they'll give money. They'll, they figure out something that makes sense. They're not going to come take your, your, your land and say, you know, we're not giving you anything. Uh, that's going to create but, uh, a lot of issue. We don't see that with uh, builders. No, exactly. It's builders... more like uh, we need your land to have a road pass through it, things right. like that. And a perfect example is Cleopatra. We all, you know, we all know Marav is laughing because we drive right past it every single time. And I'm like, this guy stood his ground. Yeah. Um, Mike, you, you know which which uh, place I'm talking about? On St. Lawrence and uh, St. Catherine, there's a... Uh, uh, St. Lawrence and Sherbrooke, I think. No, Saint, it's uh, St. Catherine. Okay. It's right below St. Catherine. Um, there's a, there's a, a strip club. It's uh, um, Cafe, Cafe Cleopatra, Cleopatra yes. right? I, think I don't you... know what that Okay, Mike doesn't Very know. Very nice. Very nicely done, Mike. <laughs> Mike's wife is listening. Mike has no clue. Where... Anyways, I'm just, I'm just bugging you, Mike. But the point is, is that place, there's condos that got built all around it, right? And the city and everyone was telling him, sell, 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 sell. And he said, no. So everything was built around him, mm-hmm. right? They weren't able to expropriate him. And because it's a developer that was building and it's the same thing that's going to happen with condos. It's not going to be the city that's going to be building. It's developers. So the developer can't expropriate. The city could expropriate for the purpose of doing something. That's what I was going to say. If the city needed to take over that land or that property in order to build a hospital or to widen the road or anything like that, then at that point, the choices would be more limited. But if it's just for a builder to yeah. build something, it's, it usually doesn't happen. Circle. No one can give you answers. This is our vision. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't. I, I honestly wouldn't worry about it. I questioned them. I said, you should do it. I just came back from Israel. And they said they did something similar, but instead of expropriating the land, they gave the, the family a brand new condo in the building and they gave them the cash value of the difference. And so that's the concept that I would entertain. But they said, no. We just we just want to build row houses, townhouses, and develop a 15-minute city. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about it. And uh, to be honest with you, by the time, uh, even if even if they were to be thinking about something like that, by the time something like that would happen, chances are that government is going to be out of office and everything's going to get you know kind of put on the back burner or forgotten about. Hope that answers the question, Mike. Thanks, Thanks Mike. Have a you too, brother. Take care. We also have a couple of texts, Terry, that came in. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so we have something here interesting. Uh, hi, Terry. I heard about this new concept that banks can use in emergency situations called bail-in. Mm. Uh, is this even possible? I heard that a bill has been passed in Canada and the States. It seems scary that the banks can activate and take your money from your savings and checking account as technically we are considered creditors uh, in the bank's eyes. Go for it. So I love I love our government. <laughs> um, so there is something called bail-in, but um, just to make it clear, it's basically uh, a situation where banks are really in a failure kind of situation, like in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. which we didn't have in Canada. By the way, it was more uh, more in the states. Um, but they're not allowed to take your uh, any kind of your deposited money, checking, savings, GICs, etc in order to help them uh, get bailed out of this situation. And uh, all money that we deposit at the bank is protected by the CDIC deposit insurance. 
So, and just to be clear, the CDIC is Canada Deposit Insurance Corporation. So we definitely have a lot of protection here uh, in Canada. I don't see that ever um, happening, first of all. And if it does happen, uh, we have a lot of protection for it not to affect our personal uh, deposited money. Um, thank you for answering that. Um, there's actually uh, another text that just came in and it he just literally echoed exactly what we were just talking about. So I always love hearing from a lawyer uh, and he write, I'm a lawyer and a chartered appraiser. An expropriation needs to have for uh, needs to be for a public purpose, metro stations, roadways, etc. Exactly. So you can't expropriate land to give to a developer so that the developer can build condos and make money off of it. Exactly. So it's I really, really would not worry about something like that. Make sense? Yeah, right? absolutely. And uh, thank you for that, by the way. Uh, you didn't write your name, but I do appreciate uh, you chiming in and confirming what we already knew or suspected we knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, hi, a few weeks ago, you mentioned that if you're buying an eight-door uh, eight plex, that sometimes you only need 5% down. Could you talk about that a little bit? Not 5, 15 so of uh, eight unit property is 15 percent. I down. think he was talking more about the uh, when it's subsidized um, uh, we're talking about low-income housing there is a program with CMHC uh, that has usually it is 15 percent you're absolutely right Terry but there is a program with CMHC where you can have five percent down uh, but really your rents have to be at least 20 percent below market value which means your cash flow negative I don't know you have to be somebody who's very solid financially to be able to afford those because you're basically cash flow negative every month. Why would you do it if you're cash flow negative? You're buying it with the idea of basically eventually. The having, rent's going up. Yeah. Yeah. So you, and there's like a good, a good like uh, five years, 10 years, there's like a, an amount of time where your rents have to be below market value. You can't say this year is below market value. Next year, I'm going to hike up the rent. Interesting. Yeah, Interesting. so it's it's made specifically to have low-income housing. So you, you can't eat your cake and eat it too. You can't have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm hungry. <laughs> we're going to have lunch soon. Okay, don't worry. <laughs> when we return, we're going to be looking at what it means to do a mortgage switch. And we're going to be continuing our discussion about refinancing. But first, we're off to a CTV News update. You're listening to The Real Estate Show, and today we're going to be taking a look, or we are looking, at market changes and whether waiting for rates to drop is a good idea. Don't forget that you could call in with your questions or comments to 514-790-0800, or you could text in to 514-800, and the texts have come in fast and furious. Uh, just do uh, So Leslie, uh, and I think that's Leslie the Realtor. I love Leslie. He's, he wrote uh, CDIC is up to $100,000 now. It used to be 60, yeah. so now it's up to 100. Yeah, so that's he's amazing. absolutely right. The protection yeah. is up to 100,000 and doesn't include stocks, bonds, uh, mutual funds, things like that. But that's why I don't like to keep all my money in one bank. Yeah, that's I true. mean, it, again, I do trust the Canadian banking system a little better than the United States just because it's backed by the government. But I sure. mean, I don't feel like this would ever happen here. But yes, I do like to spread a little bit across multiple banks. So uh, this is uh, from Gordon. And Gordon is asking, uh, if I have the cash, do you advise me to pay off my variable mortgage or hold on for the correction regards Gordon? So What correction? No, correction and in interest rate. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> Not my correction. <laughs> 
uh, Marav corrects saying, me every day. But I'm, uh, I'm just wondering, like, do we even know there's going to be a correction? There will be. Okay. I just hit the microphone. I'm so sorry, everyone. Yeah. Um, there is going to be a correction. We know that interest rates are going to come down. How much they're going to come down by, I don't know. I, I wish that my crystal ball can be that clear. It's not. It's a little hazy. needs a little Windex on it. Okay. But there is going to be a correction. How far down it's going to go, I don't know. What I will say is this. If you have the cash, my philosophy, okay, and, and Gordon, hear this and, you know, you can call me at the office and we can have a, a, an interesting discussion about this. If you take your money that you have sitting in cash and you take all of that and you pay off your mortgage, great, you're not going to have a mortgage. You're not going to have the high interest rate on that variable rate, all that stuff, which some people will do. If that's all the money that you have, that's all the liquidity that you have, you're going to find yourself very quickly needing to go back in and refinance that mortgage to get money back out or get a line of credit or something like that to be able to deal with problems of life. Roof, plumbing, this, that, whatever. Car breaks down. I don't know. There's a million and one things that you know you can spend your money on. What you want to do is you want to look at it and see how you can make your debt more efficient. So if you have a line of credit, sorry, a, a variable rate mortgage and the interest rate is high and your payments have gone up, or if you happen to be in one of those uh, situations where the bank has given you fixed payments and they're adjusting your amortization. And by the way, I saw one at 62 years, right? We talked about it. The yeah. amortization, because the, pay the payments did not go up for the client, the amortization ended up 62 years. And I'm not wow. going to say which bank it is, but... They extended the amortization in order to keep the payment as yeah. is. Cri like terrible, terrible, criminal as far as I'm concerned. Um, it's always good to look and see how you can restructure it first. Let, can we convert that variable to a fixed? If the payment is still too high, can we stretch the amortization? Uh, can we play with these things to get you to a comfortable level, set you up with a financial institution that even if interest rates do come down in the future, you're not going to be paying astronomical penalties. And there's ways of doing that. So for example, if you're with a brick and mortar bank, brick and mortar bank is going to crucify you when it comes penalty time. If you go with a virtual, it's not going to be as high, the penalties. So this is the balancing act. This is what we have to look at and say, does it make sense? The other thing, can we do something more productive with that money? Can we take that money you invested, get a tax refund, maybe do something, use that to pay down the mortgage? There's a lot of things that you can do. I always like to take $1 and try and stretch it as far as we could possibly get it. And then when we do that, we're good to go. Yeah, makes, makes sense. sense. Um, you Absolutely. know, we, we didn't we didn't really get into that, but I did want to talk about refinancing mortgages. And I kind of touched think it's on it. important. Yeah. So there's a lot of people, and I'm seeing it right now, last year, Kind of towards the tail end, there was there was a lull that occurred. Doesn't mean that people's spending stopped. Actually, people's spending went up. So there was more money being spent at the grocery store. There was more money because of inflation. People found themselves spending more. How did they access those funds? They put it on credit. But yet, they left it on credit cards. And there's a, a, a comment that came in here from Debbie. And this is on Facebook land. And she wrote, a credit card isn't carrying a debt of 500,000. It's all relative. That's in relation to what we were talking yeah, about earlier. About the 22% interest. Yeah, exactly. It's all relative. Did you know that a credit card compounds daily? Yeah. So you'll have a 22% interest rate compounding daily. 
which the effective rate ends up being a lot more. Mm -hmm. Okay, Mortgage compounds semi-annually. There's a big difference between the two, first and foremost. Yeah. Okay, And you know, you're saying that people don't have a $500,000 credit card, but I know people that have multiple credit cards that are carrying debts of a hundred, 150,000. And then they find themselves in a situation where they're just dishing out money every single month. And that's the danger because if you're waiting for interest rates to drop for you to go in and refinance that debt to get things back under control, what's gonna happen is by the time interest rates drop, you're gonna have to go with an alternative lender because your credit is gonna be so decimated by the fact that you've been carrying these high credit cards for an extended period of time, you might even miss a payment. There might be, there's a million and one mm -hmm. things that can happen. So definitely refinancing for debt consolidation purposes is something you you believe in. I do believe it's in it. It's a good strategy. Sure, yeah. Because definitely, It has to make sense. Yeah. It has to make sense. Yeah. And the beautiful thing is it doesn't lie. Sorry, I'm, I cut you off. No, no problem. You're my husband. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, 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 it's black and white. Yeah. Okay, so if you're, if you're carrying... Anything, my magic number is always has always has been and always will be twenty to twenty five thousand. If you're carrying anything more than twenty to twenty five thousand of toxic debt, it might be a good idea to consider seeing how we can roll that into a mortgage. But then I could see the devil's advocate comment of it could be endless. It could basically you could find yourself again in Absolutely. the same situation in five years. Absolutely, uh, your, your home is not an ATM. Absolutely, we, we've heard it all. I agree with all of those things, but. What you do with the savings of that money, so if you're spending $500, $1,000 a month, and usually it, it's over $1,000 that our people are spending on credit card debts. If you're spending more than that per month, by rolling that into your mortgage, maybe your payment's going to go up 100 bucks, 150 bucks on the mortgage. It's not going to be anything crazy. Now you have a ton of savings. What can you do with that? And can honestly, you take that, put it in your RSPs? Can you put that in your TFSA? You know, you know, even even if it was to go up, let's say you're paying right now $1,500 a month on all your minimum payments, you know, a lot of interest pay, payment for nothing. Even if I was to have an increase in my mortgage of $500, it still makes sense because I save $1,000 a month. Exactly. You know, so it's all about a calculation, I think, that has to be done. And like you say, that $1,000 a month of savings, what are you doing with it? Exactly. What are you exactly. doing with it? Um, there's a really great uh, question from John. If I have one year left in my mortgage and it's time to renew, should I opt for variable rate or fixed rate? Well, if he's got, if you've got one more year, I would write it out unless you have something that you need to refinance, right? If you need, you know, if you need to act on it now, you act on it now. It doesn't mean you have to take a five-year fixed. You could take a three. You could take a two. You could take a one. There's different options that people have. You know, in our society right now, we believe that five-year fixed rates are the only option available to us. It's not. You could take a variable. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, are planning to sell, if there's, if you know that there's going to be some sort of movement. But if you want to have that security of fixed payments and not having to worry about it going up, you can go with a, a shorter term. And what about home equity line of credit? Do you believe in that? <sighs> do I believe in it? I do. Only if it's not used. <laughs> okay. So if you're going to, if you know how much you need, don't put it on a line of credit. Put it on a mortgage. Because a line of credit, whether it's a home line or a personal line, on your credit bureau, it's going to report very similarly. And it's going to show as revolving debt that's being maxed out. 
Okay, thanks. And for it'll that. actually impact your credit. Anyways, we can. I mean, we could definitely look at it a little bit more later, but it's. Um, I have mixed emotions. When we come back, we're going to be looking at how this market is affecting your borrowing capacity. Thanks for tuning in. Today's show is all about the market changes and whether it's a good idea to wait before getting your mortgage. Don't laugh at me, Marav. She always laughs at me because I jumble up my words. You know that this is not my profession. Yes. This is like, you know, I This is for fun. This this is, you know, <laughs> we like to have fun here. So, it's, uh, I You're make right. mistakes, but she laughs at me. It's okay. Anyone that's watching this on Facebook sees the smirks that Marav, you know, does. <laughs> okay, so we got a we got a few texts and there is a couple of things that I do want to talk about. Uh one of them uh, one of the texts that actually just came in, any advice on a time frame for selling an owner-occupied fourplex with one vacant apartment? Uh, it's been vacant for three years. Okay. So the first thing that I'm going to say is it's easier to sell a property that has at least one unit that is vacant and free than if it's actually fully rented. Because now you can actually have someone buy it and move into it, mm -hmm. right? If it's fully rented, if it's an owner that wants to buy it for investment purposes, okay, whatever. But if it's an owner that if someone wants to buy it so that they can move into it, they would have to wait so that they can actually evict people. Right. Yeah. So it is easier while it's vacant to. That's that's for sure. But it's a little less attractive to an investor if there's a vacancy, of course. Of course. So but got it's been three years that yeah. it's been vacant, which means that whoever buys it can increase the rents to whatever yeah. the market will yeah, allow beyond them. two years. Yeah. Be Absolutely. Beyond two years. OK. Yeah. So um, the time frame, it depends on also what you want to do. If you're planning on taking this money because you want to buy something else, if you're planning on taking this money because you need to pay off debts or whatever, well, then, you know, now might be the right time to do it. But if it doesn't cost you to hold on to this property and you want to keep it for a year, two years, it all comes down to you and your individual needs as a seller of a property. Yeah, and uh, I would also uh, look at capital gains and things like that. If you say, I'd rather keep it and rent out even the owner-occupied unit, now the entire building is an investment. Yeah. You know, you don't save that portion of the owner-occupied, you know. So yeah, exactly. there's a lot of things to discuss with your accountant at this point to say, okay, let's look at now, let's look in five years, et cetera. One thing is for sure, uh, I would actually get an appraisal. If you do decide to keep it uh, and it was owner-occupied, I would definitely get an appraiser to come in and you know get that value of the property because the minute you, moved out, uh, you move out of that property, it's now, it's almost deemed a disposition and you're, you know. That portion that was owner-occupied is now considered a rental. Exactly. I get it. <laughs> he just texted, tired of the other two tenants. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started with tenants. I love my tenants, but sometimes they drive me crazy. So <laughs> I think I, we could do a whole show <laughs> just on that. So I wanted to no. touch on switches because there's a bit of confusion between refinancing and switching your mortgage. Yeah. So if we could just look at that difference, whether it's in the middle of your term or at renewal, what's the, the term switch or subrogation in French? So there's this, um, this misconception that whenever you're switching banks, um, you know, let's say you're going from bank ABC to bank XYZ, that it's deemed a refinancing. 
It's not a refinancing. If we're moving the mortgage dollar for dollar, amortization for amortization, from bank ABC to bank XYZ, that's called a switch or a subrogation. Okay. In a case like that, if your amortization is 25 years and under, if it was insured, anything like that, that is where you get the best possible interest rates. So a lot of times people are going to look and they're going to see interest rates posted and you're going to see 5% and 5.5% depending on the bank that you're looking at. Um, and they're going to think that's what the rate is. But the reality is if we're able to treat that mortgage, so for example, let's say somebody has a variable rate mortgage and it's coming up, you know, uh, you know, it's getting too high for them. And they look at their bank and their bank is offering them something that's higher than what they're expecting to pay. They come to us, we look at it and I'm like, well, I can get you a five-year fixed at this bank at, I don't know, 459, for example. And you look at it and you're like, oh my God, yeah, that makes sense. Well, we could switch that variable from bank ABC that you're at put it as a fixed in bank XYZ and get you that lower payment. The bank covers any expenses that are related to appraisals. They cover any expenses that are related to notary and they'll even allow you to increase the mortgage. So I, I know I said dollar for dollar, mm -hmm. but they'll even allow you to increase the mortgage by $3,000 to offset any expenses that are related to an actual penalty or anything like that. So it's a really good option for people. It's even a good option when your mortgage is up for renewal. You know, you go to the bank, the bank is offering you something that is, you know, ridiculously high and the banks will always try and, you know, there's no vested interest for them to offer you something that's good. And I've seen it time and time again, the amount of times that people call me and they're going to say, hey, I've gone to the bank. The bank is telling me they're going to give me a rate of this. What can you get me? And it's like 1% less mm -hmm. in some cases, like significantly less. So the main difference is really uh, refinance, you're pulling out equity, you're pulling out money. Mm -hmm. And the switch, it's dollar for dollar plus a little extra for a penalty and amortization for amortization. Yeah. You can't stretch the amortization. Exactly. Can't increase the mortgage amount. It's purely to switch banks and get ideally a better interest yeah. rate. And a refinance is done whenever you're increasing amortizations, whenever you're uh, taking money out, anything like that, that's deemed a refinance. Second rank mortgages are few and far between. Banks never want to go up against someone else. So we have a text here that came in um, and I almost I almost forgot to read it and I apologize. This is FM from LaSalle. I have about 11,000 left in a registered investment. I need cash quickly. What's my best course of action in order to avoid the evil in big capitals and bold, <laughs> the evil tax man? Oh boy, so, FM, FM. We all know uh, the two guarantees in life: death, death and, and taxes. taxes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, look. I mean, we can go in. We can look. We can see how much equity we can pull out, and use that money to pay off whatever needs to be paid off. There is little caveats that we need to follow. A lot of times, banks don't. You know, they. Well, it, you're not allowed to use debt to pay off taxes. But, I mean, who's to say that it's going to taxes? Right. You can take out the money so that you can you can take it out to go on vacation, but you can't take it out to go to pay your taxes. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. But, but there uh, is. Sorry, I will add there is a couple of financial institutions and banks that will allow us to take money out for the uh, tax purposes. But to answer his question, you do have to pay taxes or is withholding taxes. And obviously that eleven thousand dollars of registered investments will be added now to his income, et cetera. So definitely has to look at look at that with his accountant to see a strategy to offset that 
Well, yeah, absolutely. But if there is, if you do want to take money out of your, anyways, I, I would honestly, FM, I would, I would strongly, strongly suggest you call me at the office. We'll sit down together. My phone number is 514-680-4674. Uh, you can even probably call today. I'm sure Olympia would probably even, as she answers all the time, we'll set something up and we can look at it and we could figure out exactly how we can do things to make it more efficient for you. Make sense? Absolutely. Marav, we're like really pushing up against the clock. If people want to get a hold of us. You can reach us online at www.nordest.ca uh, or by phone, the traditional phone, at 514-680-4674. And of course, online at facebook.com slash Northeast Nordest or uh, CBC Alliance uh, Quebec. There you go. Okay. And uh, again... If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Again, it means a lot to us and it really helps us, you know, curate content and uh, do things uh, for you guys. So uh, it's newsonthego.ca. Jump in there or, you know, you can just Google our name and you'll find us uh, on uh, YouTube. Guys, till next week. Have a blessed week. Love you all.